0: You tonight and you want to be turning there going to be taking some scripture out of the uh, book of Isaiah in chapter 55 and uh, we'll start reading at about verse uh, six in Isaiah 55 and it's not a particularly long chapter uh, but also uh, we may be going elsewhere in the Bible we'll just see how the the Lord leads us um, but tonight, you know, what I've kind of had on my mind is uh, where that Jesus referred to and encouraged uh, the the people during his time of walking on this earth. He encouraged them to ask and to seek and to knock. And how many times throughout the Old Testament that they're told to seek the Lord, I don't know. I've, I've never taken the time to sit down and attempt to count it, never bothered to Google it. But I can I can... I can feel rest. I can rest assured in that it's a lot, yes. and the reason that it is is because that uh, the thing is God's not changing. He's not going other places. He's not moving around. But we are. And, you know, uh, I had an occasion a few years back to to go and visit our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. It was one of those things that I said was on my bucket list, you know, one of those things I wanted to be able to do and go to the Air and Space Museum there in the Smithsonian and visit and see all those sites. And I remember, though, that when we got there and we got within the confines of the city and I'd read all about this, that there's this big obelisk that sticks up there. We call it the Washington Monument. Of course, it was completed a few years after that the Civil War was over and done. And the reason that it was created was so that it would be a marker so that anytime you were anywhere in that city, if you looked, and it's an ordinance in the city of Washington, D.C., nothing can be within so many feet of the height of that obelisk. And what it was was a beacon. It's a guiding beacon now in the days of GPS and things like that. We may not need it as much so, but it still stands true. And it's this large object that you can see pretty much anywhere from within the city limits of Washington, D.C. that it might be a guide to you, that you might not know exactly where you're at. But if you look and you see that beacon... You see it there standing in the distance that you'll know uh, which way it is that you need to go to get uh, to wherever it is you're trying to get to. Uh, And I can tell you that our God, uh, He's the one that we need to be looking to and seeking continually. uh, uh, Seeking Him out uh, with every bit of our being because there's coming a day uh, and a time uh, when God's presence uh, may not be readily available in this world because that sin will abound. Uh, And I can tell you that the most important thing uh, is having his word hid in your heart. King David in Psalm 119 verse 11, he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, uh, because I can tell you, it may come a time uh, when owning a Bible, uh, when speaking Scripture may be illegal, uh, but we still have that beacon of the Most High, uh, His word hid in our hearts uh, uh, that we might uh, uh, go forth uh, uh, and seek Him uh, rather than the things of the world. Because I can tell you, if you look around and you don't have to look very hard, you'll find a lot of people that ain't seeking Him, ain't regarding Him, don't care. They're proceeding through life uh, at a rapid pace, uh, 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 just kind of following whatever path lays out in front of them. And you know, when I read this set of Scripture here in Isaiah, and, and you'll notice if you got a red letter edition or in mind it's bold type, uh, that 6 and 7 are the only two that aren't uh, uh, the words of God. And Isaiah, uh, now after the first part, he says in verse 6, he says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. and He will have mercy upon Him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon. Uh, Now that is uh, a call to those uh, that don't know Christ as a Savior uh, uh, to come unto Him. Uh, As Jesus said, Come unto me all ye that are labored uh, and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Uh, uh, You see it's that beacon. It's that thing that can be seen. Uh, And even here in the United States of America Jesus Christ uh, is still readily accessible Uh, His Holy Spirit is still abundant. But the problem is now he said seek you the Lord while he may be found. There's a fog of sin descending upon this great nation to the point to where he's still there. But he might be hard to see. Because the people of this world they look around and all they see are wickedness and wickedness is normal. And they say, well, if that's normal, then I guess I'm okay and everything's all right. And Jesus said, though, that in the last days uh, that there would arise false prophets and false Christs and they would deceive the very elect uh, if it were possible. Uh, Well, I can tell you, just like if you're in Washington, D.C. and you're in a part and somebody tells you to go one way uh, and you look and see that beacon standing there, uh, you'll know whether or not it's a lie Uh, and the Word of God uh, And His Holy Spirit uh, should be that beacon uh, to protect us from the lies of the enemy. Because a a common lie of the enemy is you ain't good enough. And I guess it's not a total lie, but it's only part of the truth. He says, you're not good enough. You're unworthy. And while that's true, Jesus Christ and His blood makes you worthy. What He did on Calvary, it completed where that you fall short. That He's the one that gave you the right to be able to call God your heavenly Father. And you'll notice now that as Isaiah goes on it goes back to the words of God and it says in verse 8 For my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither but watereth the earth and make it bring forth and bud that I may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater now pay attention to the next verse he says so shall my word be uh, that goes forth out of my mouth. Uh, it shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish uh, that which I please uh, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Uh, that what he's saying is uh, when my word goes out uh, and you should be out there telling people about him uh, telling them about his word that's hid in your heart. Uh, he said it's going to accomplish something uh, uh, because he will put his mind. And his power behind it. Because a lot of times the way that we find ourselves is when we go out there in the world and we begin to try to talk to people who are lost, it almost feels like an exercise in futility. Oh, yes. Where you look around and you say, They're not going to listen to me. Now I remember years ago on another trip that I got to go to, which is a place I had never really planned to go to but thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a trip with Elijah. We went to Colonial Williamsburg with a bunch of elementary schoolers. And I remember we were walking around there and I've always been passionate about history. Most of my students are shocked when they say, did you always want to be a science teacher? And I said, Lord, no. I wanted to be a social studies teacher. And they said, well, why are you teaching science? And I said, because I was told I could get a job quicker as a science teacher. But I remember when it occurred to me when it really became real to me uh, that I could be a teacher. I was walking along with Elijah, kind of had my arm around him, and we were walking there at Yorktown. And if you know anything about American history, that's where the Revolutionary War ended. Uh, That's where they laid siege to the last little bit of the British troops. uh, And the war ended there. And we were walking around the recreation of the camp. uh, And I was telling Elijah about the things that I knew about it. Uh, And I was passionate and excited. Uh, I wasn't using my preacher voice yet, but I I was definitely excited. And next thing I know, there was a crowd of people around me listening to me bunch of little kids and stuff. And I remember thinking, kids won't listen. They don't want to hear what an old fuddy-duddy like me has to say. Uh, they won't hear you out. Uh, and yet I looked around and kids were standing there and they were asking me questions. Uh, parents thought I was a tour guide because it, I knew so much about it. Uh, and it occurred to me that people will listen uh, if you have something worth saying. Uh, if you believe what you're telling them. Uh, And I tell you this, uh, I believe this word uh, more than I believe anything I can see or feel or directly interact with. And this 11th verse of the chapter 55, I believe it with all my heart. And when Satan shows up and tries to tell you don't witness to them, you just look at him and say, Isaiah 55, 11, now beat it. I got work to do. Because there Satan doesn't savor the good things of the Lord. But God said, you say it, I'll make it work. You write the check and He'll back it. You go out and work for Him and He guarantees that you're going to be successful in Him. Because notice the accompanying verses. Verse 12, "...for ye shall go out with joy." And be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth. Before you into the singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Uh, uh, he's saying look. Uh, I'm going to pave your way. Uh, you go out for me. Uh, I'm going to make it work. Uh, now you'll notice at no point did he say it's going to be easy. Uh, you're going to have to walk the walk. Uh, you're going to have to talk the talk. Uh, you're going to have to go out. Uh, and do the work. You see, because a lot of times, and and I've thought about this, you know, there's lots of beauty in this world, lots of natural beauty, and you can see the sights, and I would love to see more of the countryside than what I've seen in my life, and maybe God will bless me with an occasion for that, but some of the most beautiful things that I have ever seen in my life have been when somebody has worked with God. That you take somebody, and I heard a story years ago about a man who had uh, taken a piece of land, and he made a garden out of it and said when he seen it that uh, it was pretty nice to begin with and he began to work and to cultivate and, and to nurture the parts that were the most beautiful and to add things and all that and said, that another man come and visit it? And said, look at how beautiful God has made this. And said he looked at the man... And told him, he said, that was a work that God and I did. God used me to make it what it is. Church, don't ever discount what you can do. What God can do with you. If you'll turn it all over to Him. Because you'll notice He says, seek ye the Lord. Seek Him out first. Because I can tell you, you go out there and try to witness to people. And you don't believe this word. And you don't know this word. And you begin to try to tell them things. You might get embarrassed. You might end up like the sons of Sceva. You know that story of when they heard about Paul and they went out and they were going to try to cast a demon out of a guy. And they thought, now we'll just do the same stuff that Paul did. We'll say it like Paul did. We'll talk about that God. We'll mention Jesus Christ. And they come up to the demon-possessed man and said all the right things. But they didn't know the God of this Word. And it says that the demon man looked at him and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but I don't know you leapt upon him and run him out of there. That I tell you this if you're going to fight the devil, you better have the Holy Spirit on your side. And you may say, Brother Jeremiah, I don't want no trouble. Well, I tell you what, trouble will find you, oh, yes. trouble will seek you out. Oh, yes. And you may say, Well, what if I don't? Uh, uh, you know, what if I leave all this Christianity thing alone and I proceed through the rest of my life? You've staved off trouble maybe for a lifetime. Uh But my Bible tells me that after this life is over, that there's judgment that waits on the other side. And you'll be just exactly, you'll have about as much of an argument as what that man who had the one lone talent that Jesus talked about. And he said, I hid it away. I didn't do anything. I was afraid to get out. And do anything. And we're not given the spirit of fear church. But rather we're called to be bold in him. To seek him out. And to go knowing that if we put his word out there. It will accomplish what he has said it to. And I use this a lot whenever that I feel like I got up and I preached a sermon and it just didn't land. Whenever that I feel like that I haven't done as good as what I could, have, I think about Balaam's mule. And I remember, well, if God can use that old mule to talk to somebody, I reckon He can get a little bit out of me too. Because a lot of times when we're doing this work, it feels thankless. And we may never see the results of it. But what we will see is that when we make it to heaven, that what we'll hear, what our reward is going to be, is hearing those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, Enter in. Uh, Get his robe uh, and his crown. Uh, uh, Crown him with righteousness. Uh, Clothe him uh, with my righteousness. uh, And bring him into the kingdom. Because that's what is to be gotten. What's at stake but the souls uh, of people. And you know, I read a statistic years ago that said about every six seconds on planet earth, somebody dies and leaves this world. And we act as though we have all the time we need. Yeah. I tell you, church time is getting away from us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a getting awful late <laughs> in yeah. eternity uh, for, for the coming of the Lord. I believe it's a getting awful late. Yeah. I believe that the time is way closer now than it's ever been. I had a conversation with Brother Charlie Lucas years ago. It wasn't long after that I'd gotten saved. And I was talking with him. And I told him, I said, I don't think this world's going to last much longer. And he said, yeah, I don't believe it is either. And I said, the the big question, I guess, for the individual, because a lot of people run around and they say, well, now, I've read that Bible and I've seen all the things in Revelation and what Jesus said is supposed to begin to take place and everything. And I'll slip in then never once looking around saying, you know, I might not make it that far. That's right. I, might not, I might face eternity well before any of that ever happens. Yeah. Just as I've heard people say and I've heard them you know, begin to say, well, I don't believe in that deathbed repentance. Well, I'll tell you this, every how somebody gets in is fine by me. Yeah. But I'll tell you, deathbed repentance is a bad plan. Because you don't know the last minute. But I would never discount God being able to save somebody. I would never look and say, no, that can't happen. I would tell them, no, today is the day of salvation. You should seek out the Lord while He's near, when He's calling to you. Because what really scares me about people that have that notion is where that Jesus said, I'll call and you'll not answer. And there'll come a time when you'll call. And I'll not answer. No guarantee at that point obligates himself one time and that scared me to death before that I got saved because he called me when I was a boy and I didn't answer. But he called again, Brother Dennis, and praise be to God, I answered that time. I received what he had. He set me out on this path and I can tell you, church, that if you want to walk the walk and talk the talk, you've got to be seekers of God. And I can tell you, I've been thinking a lot about the first commandment. The first commandment in the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt have... No other gods before me. And you think about that. What that means is don't put anything or anybody in this world before God in your life. Because if you put Him first, you'll be able to take care of all those other commandments rather handily. And you see, I I think about, and we're not going to take time to turn there, but if you were to turn into the book of Daniel, and Daniel's one of those books I find myself reading regularly. And if you were to turn into the third chapter there, and when it is now, that it begins with a decree and it ends with a decree. It says that at the beginning of it, that Nebuchadnezzar had this big old image set up. Oh. Said that it was three score cubits high. Now, by my estimation, that's around 100 feet tall. That's not little big and wide thing, maybe 30 foot wide, and set it up in the plain of Dura, makes a decree and says, when you all hear the music, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but said when you hear the music, and they list off all the instruments, I say that when you hear that, you bow down, and you worship it. And what I find, is there's three men there, who've been named a different name, because of a different God. We often call them... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, But their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And they were there in a foreign land. Uh, They'd been taken from their home. Uh, uh, And yet when the time comes, uh, they look around and when they heard that decree the first thing that came up in their mind was thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make a graven image. Thou shalt not bow down to it nor worship it. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And there they were. How convenient it would have been to have just bowed down when everybody else did. You know, well, I mean, we're We're bowing on the outside, but we're bowing to our God. That's called equivocation, church. Now, I know that that might be a big word to some people, but all it means is is you're being wishy-washy. You're making excuses. And they could have said, well, Daniel ain't here to tell us what to do, and so we'll just go ahead because we just want to go along to get along. And I'll tell you, there's far too many Christians nowadays that are just going along to get along rather than standing up and saying, I will not serve your gods. I will not follow the pack. And it says now that when the music began to play, uh, uh, that the DJ spun up the record, so to speak, Uh, uh, said that everybody did as they were told, Uh, uh, that they fell down because of the decree of King Nebuchadnezzar, but said they saw three men sticking out like a sore thumb standing there in the plain of Dura before everybody, thus declaring, we will worship but one God and He is the true and the Most High God. They could have looked around and said, you know what? The temple's gone. Jerusalem has fallen. We're in a foreign land. What difference does it make? One God is as good as another. But they looked around and said, we will serve the Most High God. How easy it is. To just concede. To just go ahead and say, well, you know, everybody else is doing it. But they didn't. And they knew the consequence. hadn't mentioned this yet, but if you remember the consequence, Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't bow, I'm going to kill you. And I'm not just going to kill you in any normal, easy way either. I'm going to toss you in the fiery furnace. And so they knew what the punishment would be. It wasn't like that they stood before Nebuchadnezzar and said, well, we, we quit listening after you said not bow down. We didn't know we would get killed for it. Yeah, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar even offers them a second chance. Oh, yes. He looks at them, calls them by their Babylonian names, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, uh, the names uh, that, that were given because of their Babylonian gods. And he tells them, if you hear the music, uh, when we do this again, if you bow down, uh, we'll call it no harm and no foul. But it wasn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that answered. It was Hanani, Azariah, and Mishael. They looked at him and they said, we don't have to think about it. We don't have to consider. We're going to serve the Lord God Almighty while He's near and He's near here. And they said, we will not bow down to your God. And they said, if you kill us, know this, our God is able to deliver from the fire. He's able to raise us back up from the very ashes. And then it says Nebuchadnezzar lost it. Oh, yeah. As the young people would say, he went full on cray-cray. And pointed his finger right at him. He said, who's going to save you from me? Well, he asked the question, didn't he? Uh It says that he commanded, go get the strongest men that they'll tie him up. I don't want them to be able to wiggle out of this one. You see, he was wanting to let him off the hook. But when they openly defied him in front of everybody... Then he said, heat that furnace seven times hotter. The thing was, seven times hotter made it a holy fire. He heated it up to the perfect temperature. That God said, that's perfect for me to work a miracle. The, the fire is just right. And said now that when they brought Him up and cast Him in, said that the men that throwed Him in, it was so hot that the heat killed Him. They went in head and ears into the fire and said Nebuchadnezzar jumped out. And I imagine He was kind of looking around His hands. Said now, that's funny we to men, and I was looking to see that they're dead, but they look alive and unhurt and free, set loose. Only thing that was gone was their bonds. And then he saw the most outrageous thing yeah. of all. Yeah. They met Christ in the fire. Church, are you willing to meet Christ in the fire? Are you seeking Him while that He's near? Are you going to meet Him in the fire? It makes me think of what John the Baptist said when he said, there comes one after me, preferred before me. I'm not worthy to tie a shoe. He said, when He baptizes you, He'll baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. And they went in there and then walked right back out. Yeah. They came back. Up, the most astonishing thing of all. They came right back out of the fire. They smelled of their clothes and said they don't even have to smell a smoke on The fire, the way they describe it, and I love the way they put it, said the fire had no power over them. I imagine an astonished Nebuchadnezzar standing there and maybe looking over at the other wise men being like, what do we do now? <laughs> you know, yeah. I tried to kill them and they wouldn't be killed. They come out unkilled. Oh, what are we going to do now? But you see, chapter 3 in the book of Daniel ends with another decree where that Nebuchadnezzar points at everybody there. And he tells them, he said, their God has protected them yeah. and saved yeah. them. <laughs> they serve him diligently. And he said, don't you dare ever say anything against their God. Yeah. Because your God can't do that your God can't save you like that and you see when we say thou shalt have no other gods before me I can tell you this your checkbook can't save you when it comes down to the end of your life if you don't believe me just look up Steve Jobs and read about him Now he's one of the wealthiest men at the time that he died and all that money couldn't save him from death and yet our God is the God who will allow to live whom he'll allow and he'll kill whom he'll kill that's the god that we serve and of course the most astonishing thing about nebuchadnezzar you know those first four chapters of the book of daniel are really about nebuchadnezzar going through conviction Mm -hmm. it starts out daniel and and his three friends they refuse to eat of the king's food oh yes under the pain of death daniel interprets a dream for the king And then in this one, uh, Nebuchadnezzar sees a pre-incarnate version of Christ. Looks and says that fourth man said he looked like the son of the most high God. Uh, He said, you know, there's a fourth man in the fire. And yet he saw that and he made a decree. And this would be the modern day equivalent of liking a Facebook post. (laughs) I don't know about you all, but I get a little weary of those Facebook pages. They say, click this page or click like on this page and you'll be greatly blessed. And I'm thinking, I'm already blessed. I don't need to give you a like. I don't need to give you a thumbs up. I'm a blessed man as it is. I'll look around and people, you know, they'll, they'll click like on anything. It's easy. It's a mouse click. Click or a screen tap. Whatever it may be. And that's the way Nebuchadnezzar was. he gave God a thumbs up at the end of chapter 3. He said, (laughs) yeah, their God's a good God. Don't nobody talk bad about their God because look at what he did. And God dealt with Nebuchadnezzar. The fourth chapter is told from Nebuchadnezzar's point of view. And he starts out and he says, so that you'll know who God is, I'm writing this down. This is, of course, in more modern terms. Then he tells about a dream he has. And asked Daniel to come and interpret it, and Daniel does. And Daniel said, "Uh, this ain't good news, because Nebuchadnezzar had seen this great tree, and all the birds of the air, and everything in the world, they rested under it, or in it, or on it, or anything." And, and, and then a, a voice from heaven says, "Cut the tree down." And let the dew fall on it. And let seven times pass over top of it. Uh, uh, but yet put an iron and brass brand around it uh, and preserve it up for later. Uh, and Daniel, when he interpreted he said, you're the tree. Yes. Now I can go ahead and tell you, if I had a dream about a tree getting cut down and then somebody pointed at me and said, you're the tree, I'd say, uh-oh. Yes. And Daniel told him, he said, let this be true only to your enemies, king. And he tells him, he says, now look, uh, he said that uh, you're going to live as a wild man. They're going to drive you. The kingdom is going to be taken away from you. uh, And things are not going to go well for you. And for seven years you're going to be like this. And then Daniel offered him some counsel. He said, but if you repent, you turn back, do good to the poor, and put aside uh, your foul gods, he said, then God may stay this from you. But you see, Nebuchadnezzar didn't listen. Right. But I can tell you in this world there's some people that there's no way but the hard way. Ah uh, yes. And even Paul talked about that when he said there's a brother taken in a fault. Remember what he said? Go to him. Yeah. Bring him up before the church. There's a procedure there. Oh yes. Yeah. And said, and then even then, if they won't turn, he said, turn them over to the devil. Now he wasn't oh, saying yeah. wash your hands of them, oh, quit yeah. praying for them. Don't suffer long with them. But he said, turn them over. He said that maybe in the destruction of their body, that at the last, they may turn back to the Lord. No way but the hard way. And Nebuchadnezzar, it said about a year later, and I don't know about you all, but it's real easy to forget something in a year's time. Oh, yeah. And Nebuchadnezzar was walking around his palace just looking uh, around, impressed with himself and in his nice robes and his nice gold crown and whatever else he had on. Maybe uh, in today's terms, he had a $300 pair of shoes on and everything and a nice watch and all the latest uh, fashion accessories. He looked around and I said, Man, look at all this that I've got. Oh, yeah. For my glory and my majesty. And God spoke. Oh, yes. And it says that just exactly as Daniel had told him it would happen, it did. Seven years went by. He was driven from among men. He ate grass like an ox. His hair grew out uh, like the feathers of an eagle. It said long fingernails. uh, uh, Looked like a homeless person, I imagine. But at the end of the seven years, his sanity was restored back to him. And you find that Nebuchadnezzar looks up to heaven. And he acknowledges the Most High God that no longer uh, is he just giving God a thumbs up. No longer uh, is he giving Him lip service. But he believes in his heart uh, that He is the sovereign God. uh, The God of heaven and earth. Uh, He said He'll give to whom He'll give. Uh, He'll take from whom He'll take. Uh, And there's no searching of His understanding uh, because He is the Most High God. I pray that nobody has to find it out that way. But I can tell you this, if it'll get a soul saved, then I say God pour it on them that maybe in going through that they might be saved. I hate to pray that way for somebody, but I tell you I'd rather do that as to see them die and go to hell. And you see, when we read Isaiah 55, 11, and we go out and we talk to people, whether it's a Facebook message, a phone call, a text message, our Walmart, Isle Ministry, whatever it is. And we feel led to say something to them. Just remember Isaiah fifty-five, eleven. It's not yours to give the increase. It's not yours to make sure that it grows. You might plant the seed and somebody else will come along and water it. But your job is to do what God has laid on your heart. Yeah, I'll tell you what really scares me is when I get around people and the Holy Spirit says... Don't even waste your time. Their heart's too hard. I'll still pray for them. And I'll say, God, bust up that hard heart. Some people, they'll harden their heart. They'll pack it down. God will bust it up and they'll tamp it back down. God will try again. And then they'll go through life. And maybe they're a good person. But you know, hell, hell is full of pretty good people. Oh, yeah that they died and went to hell for want of a savior. That's all that they needed. And I can tell you this, it's not our job to decide that either. It's It's not my job to look and say, well now, this guy that died recently, I know that he made it. Or this person over here, I know that they didn't make it. But what it is my job to do is while that it is day, do the work of the Lord. You be instant in season and out of season. A lot of people say, oh, it's just for the preachers and the deacons. You are called to be God's people out there in the world. And you're called to compel them to come in before that it's too late. And if you think that that's not much, just know this, a lot of times, all that it took was for somebody to say, come see a man. Yeah. You see that woman at the well that Jesus met? Dr. Jesus come out and poked the sore spot with her, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Said, go call that husband. She said, I don't have any husband. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. You've, got, you've had five husbands. Yeah. And she went back to town and she told them, come see a man. Yes. And they didn't really want to believe on her word, but they were curious because she was stirred up and she seemed different and they came out and seen a man. Yes. Yes. And I can tell you this, it may just be your job to say, come see a man yes. named Jesus. Give him a shot. What's it going to hurt? Oh yes. Oh, it'll cost me too much. You might gain your soul. You know, there's lots of people that you'd look at. And, and I found this curious, that people will look around at somebody else and declare, you're going to go to hell for that, doing things that are just as bad. I had some Christian students, that I, and, and I you know, I don't want to question their Christianity, but I'll say this, they came in the wrong spirit mm-hmm. with some transgendered students, and they came to me to try to rally me to help them. And I'd seen them. Tell lies. Take things that didn't belong to them. And they came and said, well, they're going to go to hell for that and I'm concerned about them. And I said, do you think that homosexuality or transgenderism is going to send somebody to hell more so than being a liar or a thief or an adulterer or a murderer or covetous or putting something else before God? And I told them, and I was out on the long skinny branches when I was telling them this, But I told them, I said, kids, you need to know that what everybody needs is a Savior. I don't care what their sin is. They need a Savior in Jesus Christ. And a lot of times we look at somebody else's sin, we say, well, that's worse than mine. Guilty of one, guilty of them all. Only man puts degrees on sin. God, that little white lie will send somebody to the very deepest, darkest parts of hell, just like a murder will. And you say, Brother Jeremiah, that seems rather harsh. Thus saith the Lord God. This is His Word. Jesus said if you just get mad at somebody, you're a murderer. That's not mine. That's Jesus. When people run around and they want to place degrees on sin, I tell you this, our job is not to declare what is and isn't sin. That's already declared. Yes. It's not our job to judge except for compared to the Word of God. And then when we do, our job is to throw them a life ring. Yeah. Yeah. You think about how foolish it is sometimes when people try to witness to somebody who's drowning in sin. Imagine if it were you were on the boat and they weren't. And you holler down there at him and began to explain to him how oxygen works in the lungs. I'm gonna give you a science lesson. You see, the reason that that water will kill you is because your lungs can't absorb oxygen from it. And what you need to do is kick your legs in circular motions in your hands, and you'll be all right. And that's why a lot of people witness to the lost. You'll make it. Swim harder. Yeah. You're a good person, you're a strong swimmer. Rather than looking over and seeing a life ring and tossing it out to them. And a lot of times, that's your testimony. They come see a man. Yes. On this boat, you don't have to swim. Not only that, but I know a man that can make you walk on water. Yeah, I know a man who can make you live when the world says you have to die. Right. Yeah. Just come see a man. And you see, a lot of times we look around and we forget that the most important thing is what we read there in verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Yeah. Think about Zacchaeus. Jesus come walking up. Zacchaeus, it says, was a short man. Oh, yeah. There was a crowd around Jesus and he couldn't see him. You know, i felt that way increasingly these days. It seems like kids just keep getting taller. Oh, yeah. And Zacchaeus climbs that tree to see Jesus. And he's up there and Jesus walks right up to the foot of that tree. Looks up in that tree, and there are some people that probably would have said, if Jesus knew what kind of guy he was, he'd have probably started throwing rocks at him, trying to knock him out of that tree. Or said, Hey, somebody go get a saw and cut that tree down with him in it. Looked up at him and said, You black hearted so-and-so, what a vile person you are. But Jesus walks up to the foot of the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. We're going to your house. Because you see, all he was trying to do was see a man. Yes. He was curious about Jesus. And, brothers and sisters, if you can get them curious, they're a lot more likely to get saved. Amen. And they may be curious because of the life you live, they may be curious because of your personal testimony, not because you can quote scripture. Right. You know, you can vomit Scripture all over people if you want to, but a lot of times that won't save them. Right. What will save them is when you look at them and say, look, that's worse than you are. Oh yeah. And He saved me. And if He'll save me, He'll save you. But you see, a lot of times we, we look around and say, yeah, but I'm just not good at, at, at witnessing to people. Isaiah fifty-five eleven says, if you put His Word out there, He'll make it work. You may not know how and you may not ever see it. I can tell you this, one of the things that I've thought a lot about in the last couple of years is when I was a little kid hearing Dad pray for me when I was a little boy. Call out my name. I thought he was hollering at me the first time that I heard it. I come a running down the hallway. He's back there in his bedroom. I'm praying. I think he started out quiet and then as the Spirit began to deal with him, he got loud and he began to pray for me called my name out specifically and I sat there and listened to him. Now that made an impression on me. Oh, yeah. that, that let me know that, see, Dad couldn't take care of me in every little thing. But he was calling to the one that I believed then could do something. And trust me, brothers and sisters, the best thing you can do for anybody is to pray for them. Bring their name before the Most yes. High God. Yes. You want to help me in my ministry, then pray for me. Yes. You want to help me uh, uh, to stand and not fall, then pray. Uh, uh, that God will keep me from walking in slippery places. Uh, uh, pray. Uh, uh, that those uh, that are on fire for the Lord don't burn out. Yes. because it happens. Oh yeah. And all you've got to do, seeking the Lord. You know, because nobody accidentally Puts God first. Right. It's a willful act. Yeah. Has to be. And you need to protect your relationship with God as you would protect your home if somebody broke in. Oh yeah. Now I can tell you I am a very mild mannered peaceable man. But the few times that I've been in an instance where somebody has come to my home with ill intent, they found out that I'm not always a peaceable man. And I think any self-respecting man would be that way. That's your oh, home yeah. and you're called to protect it. And you talk about keeping your relationship with the Lord as though you would protect your home because it's more important than that home. Homes yeah. may come and go, but our God is eternal. Yeah. And we need to keep him first and foremost, seeking him continually and putting his word out there. Yeah. That those that are lost and nearest hell might be saved. If we don't do that, I can assure you there's nobody else that's going to. If God's church, the ones that call upon the name of the Lord, if they're not out there telling them, come see a man, that's a bit of a problem because when we quit and we begin to be silent, they're not going to accidentally stumble into Him. We need to tell them, come see a man. That's what they need to do. I hope that this message has blessed you. I hope that if you...